when I learn about stuff, the way that I love to learn is with analogies. And so the the best analogy that I've I've witnessed and and then have the direct experience of it is that the masculine is the riverbed and the feminine is the water uh, that flows in it. And then it's our role or our job as the masculine to hold the feminine. Now that means also the feminine within us is men. But we also need to hold that space. And I know there's a question maybe coming soon about self-love. And I think that's one of the big things of like being able to hold ourselves, be able to have that masculine riverbed where we can hold our emotions and be allow that feminine to flow. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Download the app today. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. The closing of 2023 could not think of a better soul to share this last podcast of the year with our beautiful Blaze Grinner. Oh my gosh, raising his three greatest adventures and his partner in life, fun and business, Melinda, Blaze Grinner's mission is to activate a generation of men. His passion is making the uncomfortable comfortable. After leaving the construction industry, Blaze has supported thousands of men from across the planet in both the online and face-to-face space, dedicating his life to support men unlocking their truest potential so that they live the life they truly desire and on purpose. Another way to say this is out of their head and into their hearts. His dedication to men's work has not gone unnoticed with two major sponsorships coming on board to support his mission, National Australian Icon BCF and Mercedes-Benz. In 2019, Blaze was nominated for the Sunshine Coast Australia Day Award in the Citizen of the Year category through highly active contributions to his local community. As his name suggests, he will be bringing the fire that will leave a lasting impression long after the smile leaves your face. I love this beautiful human with all my heart. I had the privilege and pleasure of marrying him and his gorgeous wife, Melinda, and I am so excited to share his voice, his message, his love, his openness, his rawness with you to close off 2023. I know that for all the beautiful men in your life, you're going to love to hear this podcast. And I also know there's opportunities in here for us to make 2024 our best year ever. I sincerely want to thank you for being on the ride with me. And if you have any questions, any comments, any feedback, and if you'd like to share with me people you'd love me to interview in 2024, then head on over to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28, Facebook, Kim Morrison Training, or you can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. You can reach out to me at kimmorrison.com and you can send me a message at info at kimmorrison.com. I want to thank you wholeheartedly for being on this amazing ride with me all throughout the last few years of the Self-Love Podcast and, of course, the Up for a Chat podcast with beautiful Cindy O'Meara. And I cannot wait to share 2024 with all of you. Thank you for your five-star rating. Thank you for sharing this work. And thank you for being a part of my world. I wish you all the best in a beautiful celebration of all that's been and all there is to come. Take care, be kind, and I'll see you in 2024. Well, what an exceptional delight it is for me this week. Not only do I get to share amazing souls on this podcast, but boy, are you in for a treat this week. We have the incredible Blaise Grinner joining us, and I could not be more excited, more delighted, and more pumped to share this amazing soul with all of you. Welcome, gorgeous Blaise. Oh, thank you so much. You're like the female version of Barry White. <laughs> it was just so, it was so beautiful. <laughs> oh my gosh. Next minute I'll have people throwing knickers at me, just like he did. <laughs> 
Oh, sweetheart, what a treat to have you on the show. And you and I have known each other for a very long time. We've watched each other grow. We've seen each other hit rock bottoms. We've watched each other shine. And I even had the delight of marrying you and your beautiful wife last year. But before we get into all of the incredible things that you're doing, Lace, could you take us on a little journey as to where it all began for you, the ride you've been on that's brought you to this point right here, right now? Uh, man, it's uh, it seems like a lifetime ago. I was only talking about this yesterday, that the man that I was up until the age of 27 is the polar opposite of the man that I am today. So that's sort of the that if I put a first milestone marker in, in my history, it would be that 27 years old. Um, and it was a really pivotal moment. But before that, the first 27 years was a young wayward man, um, super insecure, super jealous, chasing the limelight, um, very unconscious or unaware of himself, um, had no mo- emotional intelligence or very, very limited emotional intelligence. Um, very good football player. So I pl- excelled in rugby league. I uh, was al- always led everything that I did, whether it was construction and night- nightclub when I was 20. Uh, but then it was very uh, hollow because it was, I was masking so much stuff. I was like, there was a lot of trauma that I never dealt with as a, as a child and in my teenage years and stuff that happened. And then the pivotal moment was that 27 years old had a really deep spiritual crisis or spiritual awakening, which then asked me, had me ask bigger questions of my life, my existence, why I'm here, what's my purpose on this planet. And that's when I made a massive big trajectory change. So it wasn't too long after that that I left construction, um, got into personal development with a gentle nudge or polite kick up the ass from wifey. Back then she was my partner. She got me into personal development. And then from there, yeah, stepped into men's work and now I've left construction and run my own company and making enough noise, hopefully, in the world that we can change what it means to be a man this generation. Let's talk about this for a second. A couple of things that you said there. Age 27, in my understanding, you know, we do tend to go in seven-year cycles and 28 is a pivotal time for many of us in the sense that it is when we uh, physiologically, biochemically start aging. Do you think from a man's perspective versus a woman's perspective, Mm. is that age the same for when we often have or go through those changes? Or do you think like in high school, it tends to be that the young men, our boys growing into men, actually take a little bit longer than women? What's your thoughts around the emotional development of us in terms of male versus female? Have you noticed anything? Oh, 100%. We, We men... Uh, we yeah, definitely it's a it's longer. I, I really see that, I, especially being a father of three beautiful children. I even see that in the development of our two. There were two boys and then a little girl, and she's two. And developmentally, she is way more advanced than the two boys. And it's only in such a short period, just in that childhood, we're really noticing that. But then, a hundred percent, it. Uh, I think there's. Um, what I what I've seen and witnessed so much, especially with young teenage boys and young men and these like, men in their twenties, we're still trying to figure out who we are. We still think we're invincible. We're like, and there's all the new science now that's saying that we still haven't even established our value system by the age of twenty seven. It, it was their science. It was like twenty one, but we're still trying to figure out who we are, what are our boundaries, what are our non negotiables, and then yeah, I definitely see that yeah, men are a little bit takes takes a little bit longer. Um, but that may be also because that we're logical. We're trying to figure everything out. It has to be uh, tangible and explainable, whereas women, there's a little bit more feeling to it. There's an energy behind it, which is a bit more intuitive than the logical aspect of men. Mm, that's a beautiful answer. As you just mentioned about watching your children, how blessed we are to have you know, the different sexes bringing them up. It really is a different kind of viewpoint once we become a parent. Would you say, what was the age you became a parent? And then would you say that that changed your whole emotional intelligence, mental, spiritual connection even further? Or is it breaking uh, yeah, you it, so it, open? <laughs> um, both. Um, the, the spiritual awakening was the thing that really cracked me open. Um, so I was, I was 32 when we had our, our breath, our oldest, our oldest boy. I remember when, when I, I caught him? And it was, I think it might have even been you, Kim, that told me this. I said that I experienced a a vastness of love that I've never experienced before and that I didn't know existed. 
And I'm not sure if it was you or it was another mentor of mine said to me that love was always there. You just didn't know that how to get there to experience that. And it was the only way you could have experienced that was unconditional love through, through fatherhood. And I just remember that was a very euphoric uh, feeling. Um, the next evolution, though, with the with that emotional uh, growth um, was when Oak came along. So he's uh, 21 months younger than Breath. Uh, when he was born, I looked at him and he's identical to Breath. And I felt nothing. And I had this massive euphoric cathartic experience when Breath was born. Then this time there was nothing. And I had so much expectation it was going to be bigger and grander, but it was nothing. It was the opposite. So for the first six weeks, I'm just looking at him like he was Breath's little brother, like not Oak, his own person, individual, individual soul. And I remember putting a, a post up on social media asking if anyone had experienced that, that I couldn't feel this connection with my boy. And it was really interesting that um, just that open discussion, there were so many men like, bro, I still feel that right now. And just how they were really felt awkward to talk about that, about like, hey, I, I, I'm not sure if I love my son as much as the first son. It was really, uh, it was really humbling moment to see how many men were in my situation that were just feeling this this stretch of juxtaposition having multiple kids and then it was about week seven week eight he sort of stepped into his own personality and then the growth was that i could i realized that i could love two things simultaneously at the same time with the exact amount same amount of love because i was always questioning whether what would happen is there going to be a favorite that kind of stuff uh so yeah and then then bring on a daughter when that took the game to a whole nother level, this little pure divine feminine bundle of joy just looking at me with all of my shame and guilt and fuck ups, but didn't, and still just loving me for me. And I think that's what all men, we just crave that. And then to be able to receive that from my daughter, I hit the trifecta. It was oh. just so beautiful. And she's just. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. <laughs> she is. Little, little ocean. She's she's louder than both of them. <laughs> I think that just having two older brothers, she's going to have to step up in some way, right? Like, God, toughness. And also you mentioned there about the divine femininity. And this is something that I really love the way you talk about. You talk about the masculine energy, the feminine energy. And I think as you've grown and evolved and as your business has grown and evolved, so is your interpretation and description of this. Could you talk us through how Blaise sees the beautiful and the beauty and the raw and maybe even the ugly of the energies mm. of the two of us? When I learn about stuff, the way that I love to learn is with analogies. And so the the best analogy that I've I've witnessed and and then have the direct experience of it is that the masculine is the riverbed and the feminine is the water uh, that flows in it. And then it's our role or our job as the masculine to hold the feminine. Now that means also the feminine within us as men. Like we also need to hold that space. And I know there's a question maybe coming soon about self-love. And I think that's one of the big things of like being able to hold ourselves, be able to have that masculine riverbed where we can hold our emotions and be be allow that feminine to flow. But if we're looking into a relationship, um, and so yeah, that that flow, that feminine flow, it can be super chaotic. And that was something that's been really interesting for me um, growing up with my uh, my mum is my best mate. So dad left when I was seven, and so. Having mum as my best friend, had the first tattoo I got was mum's name on my heart. So if I ever saw mum cry, it was like, oh, that was I was like my responsibility as a young boy. And so I had all of this conditioning. Then I see the the chaos, the feminine chaos with my beautiful wife erupt. And then how challenged I have been as a man to hold that riverbed, to to be able to stand holding holding that space and it's been super challenging navigating and you've seen the the challenges and struggles that i've had with that um and i'm getting better and better and better um and so yeah i really love that analogy as well yeah that's um, beautiful do you know just as you were talking then i could see you know from your perspective and we just mentioned it very briefly you know the, our, our life in seven year cycles interesting that your dad left when you were seven mm-hmm. could you talk to us a little bit about the chaosness or the the mm-hmm. trauma mm-hmm. or the challenges that you think young children face male or female when parents and relationships break down what have you seen and yeah um 
so I'll talk about my experience and then the men within my men's teams. Um, and so not having my dad there, like many men that haven't had, or like many children that didn't have their dad there, all, all I was looking for was eldership and for a fatherhood figure. So I found that within my football coaches. And then I always was looking up to older boys that were bigger than me and I wanted to be accepted by them. And I wanted these guys to feel, I wanted to feel accepted and I wanted someone just to grab my hand and say, Hey man, this is how to go. This is, this is how to lead life and never had that. Um, and so the, the young, the, the men that I looked to in my life, in hindsight, these men weren't very effective for who I wanted to be. There was some like really challenging traits like objectifying women in the 40 in the 40 th- um, aspect um, remember i was 15 or 14 or 15 on a on a 40 trip the coaches would put a porn this is how long ago a vhs into the, in the into the tour bus and so at a very young age we're like watching porn and this is this fatherhood figure type thing and then what that does for the conditioning that kind of stuff uh, is yeah, it, 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 it's so rife. I won't go too far down porn, but it's just it's crippling young men. Um, um, yeah, it's it's like it's, it's bad as bad as crack cocaine. What it's doing to young men's um, psyche and nervous system and infidelity and um, erectile dysfunction, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, having dad leave, it was. I, I grew up and like many young boys that have absentee fathers, we grow up with our our mum's um, version of what it means to be a man. And I feel that has is so rife in our generation why men my age across the planet, there's so many men of the people pleasers that we have, We like I was just mentioned with my mum, if she got upset, I'd make that all about me. So there's so many men, like these, these young boys that grow into men that don't chase their dreams, don't live their purpose, that aren't... Um, uh, that are just yes men, the nice guys are just getting walked all over. They won't stand firm in their boundaries. That, um, yeah, it's it's really really interesting. Uh, for me, one of the damaging things that happened was that my mum said I was the man of the house at seven when dad left, and on the elders of five kids. And I, as a young boy, I took that on literally. And so my, what, the conditioning that happened for me is then I got really really serious. And so my work as a grown man, especially now having kids, has been allowing myself to play and just have time to myself and laugh. And because uh, up, up until then, so many people tell me, it's like, dude, you're so fucking serious, man. Like, you just got to chill the fuck out, bro. Um, but it was, yeah, because I really feel that I didn't have a childhood like most kids would. Um, there's been some conflict within our relationship and Minnie's a beautiful trigger for me just to all my mum wounds that I have. This is just reflected in men. Like one of them is like doing the chores. So the, the household chores, I remember Minnie asking me to, can you help me hang out the washing? And then my nervous system would jack up. And it's just like, and so it would just go back to that young boy and I didn't want to do it anymore. And so it was really interesting. I had, had to uh, na- navigate moving through that, realizing that was the stuff I had to do with my mom, not my wife. And this is my kingdom. I'm not seven years old or eight years old. But yeah, that was a really interesting um, like inner child stuff to go through um, over the past few years. It's so, so incredible that you share this because I'm sure many of the women listening to this will share it with their men and the men that are listening to it who are special souls in themselves listening to the self-love podcast will actually identify with your openness and vulnerability. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. That's something I've always found so raw and beautiful and absolutely delicious to be in your presence because of that. You know, one of my therapists many years ago talked about the masculine and feminine energy. I'm just interested in your viewpoint of this one. She felt, and she was in her 90s sharing this, that at the true core, the essence, the quintessential essence of a man is if he can provide and protect, he can he can be at his best. Mm-hmm. And if a woman at her quintessential best could nourish and nurture She's at her best. And that's not to say men can't nourish and nurture and women can't provide and protect, but her whole thing, and she gave the analogy of two ox pulling a cart together when you're in a relationship and that cart is full of all your baggage and all your good and all your not so good. Mm -hmm. But the two ox pulling that cart is way better than just one. Mm. Do you believe in that energy, like the provide, protect, the nourish, nurture? Would you use other words for that? Do you like that analogy? Yeah, I love it. Um, and what that's triggered is the way that we're raising our children. 
Um, and so we've done a lot of stuff around conscious parenting. And so about allowing our kids to express all of their emotions. But then as we've gone along this journey, we've also like, we, there needs to be that loving nurture, but there also needs to be that firmness. It has to be the both. There's got to be the duality or the polarity of both. It has to, because if it, if it's too soft, if it's too motherly, if it's too feminine, where's the where's the masculine structure? But if it's too structured, where's the play and vice versa? So definitely 100% that it, it is the yin and yang. We need both. Um, yeah, we need that nourishment. And you can see the 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 young boys, especially young teenagers that don't have that pr- provider or that protector and how wayward they are um, and roaming the streets, looking for trouble because they don't have any sense of direction. Um, and they're not going to get that direction if the, if there's an absentee father or if they don't have a, a male role model teaching and guiding them, they're going to try and figure it out on their own. Um, and then vice versa, if they don't have that love and that nourishment, how disconnected men are from their hearts, um, how much how they can't feel their emotions, can't um, even articulate what their emotions are, um, let alone then into that uh, space of vulnerability and allowing people in. Um, so yeah, it has to have both hundred percent. It's like it, it, like a human connection piece. Hey? Like it's um, yeah, definitely, definitely super important. I feel. Do you feel then when you think about generations gone before us, men, our grandfathers came through the war, then our fathers were the production of that war and perhaps still suffering with some sort of genealogical PTSD, for want of a better word. Mm-hmm. Then our fathers come into this world kind of, and even in my generation, my dad and my dad's generation and mum's generation, to go and see a therapist, to get coaching, to be part of a mentorship group was seen as weak, wussy, mm-hmm. pathetic mm-hmm. almost. And yet now today we celebrate that connection, that vulnerability, the men's groups, women's groups, the honouring of the the queen and the king. Like, like, what do you think's changed in one generation? We've gone from making it not good and cool to now it's really actually cool to be a part of this growth. I, I think if if we look at the evolution of humanity and if we look at humanity as a whole or consciousness as a whole, that the the past few generations, everything that you're speaking into, I fully understand and agree with. But it, it looks like it was coming from like the solar plex region. It was all like head, and so everything was black and white. You go if you had a problem, you go see a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or there was medication. It was very very black and white. There was a, a lot of that solar plex mental energy. Whereas now, I really feel that the, the humanity, the consciousness, is coming up in the heart chakra, the heart space. Whereas realizing that life is colorful and it's gray. And now that the like the podcast like this, the the way technology has just allowed information to spread, that now we the people the people it's not just experts giving advice anymore. It's people of how how did you overcome adversity? How did you get through that? And this is this beautiful dance of like cool. There is experts, but there's also these everyday people that um, are now having a platform to use their voice and share their story, and then share how that we've getting through adversity. So I think now that. It, we're in this generation that, yeah, we need to be, uh, all of us, more heart-centered. And I also feel that what's required of men in this generation is far greater um, pressure placed upon us than ever before. Um, I know that some people challenge that of like, oh, man, it would have been really hard to go to war. Like, I understand that. Uh, yet the provide and protect now is also not just financially and physically, it's also mentally and spiritually and emotionally as well. And so there's this is why I deeply feel there's so many men feeling lost right now because we don't know our place. We're trying to figure that out. We can't point to someone and go, that's what it means to be a man now. And because up until now, for our fathers and fathers' fathers, it had been boxed. It's like that's what the man did. Whereas now we don't want to be boxed. Men are sick of being caged. And this we've been caged for, for too long. And then you look what happens with domestic violence and all that kind of stuff, incarceration rates. And so, yeah, I think this is the this era of like, yeah, the the collective is now coming up into this heart chakra space of feeling, and then and 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 these walls are coming down, and that we're breaking these conditionings, these cycles, and there's been some brave men, and I think um, the campaign with the suicide awareness has done a really big thing of like people have had to listen, like, hey, men have been fucking struggling for so long, like something needed to happen, and. Uh, COVID was a really ble- beautiful blessing. So, like you, you see, since COVID, how big men's work has gone. Um, just in the past eighteen months, 
because men got really boxed in. And then all that stuff that was swept under the rug, it was like confined space. Oh, actually, maybe I do have relationship issues. Oh, maybe I do drink too much. Oh, maybe I don't like this job I'm in. Maybe I don't even know who my fucking kids are because I've never been at home. All these realizations because it was a forced realization. Um, and so, yeah, uh, there's a, a, a bit of a rabbit hole with that. I think there's, that COVID was a bit like the people were, it, it was like forced. But the the beautiful thing that came out of it, I didn't think that I don't think they expected what was going to happen on that other side of this coming together and unifying and and all these people wanting to yeah step into the work, which is amazing. I agree. I agree. You know, the same therapist I was talking to a little bit about before. This is again for us both to try on, and I'm just curious to see your thoughts. She thinks women are their own worst enemies when it comes to men. This was her thoughts in her 90s. She feels that us women expecting our men not only to provide and protect, but also to come home, vacuum, cook, change nappies, do certain things as much as we expect that of ourselves. She had a firm belief, Blaze, that women should not be on the front line. Women should not be running countries. Women should not be out there. They they need to honour that role of the importance of being in the home, the glue, the, the, the centre point, the north point for families. Now, I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I found it just an interesting comment. And she said the reason why men feel so discombobulated and disjointed is because we are putting this different emphasis on what we want them to be. It sounds to me like you've cut through that and you guys, you beautiful men that are doing the work and creating these amazing men's movements, you're actually honoring that, but also stepping back into your power and allowing us to stay in our power. Is that something I've got right with you? hundred percent. And it's like that. It's a yes and conversation because it's not right and wrong. Because I, I also disagree with what she's saying, but firmly agree with it as well. It's like that. It's like it's it's both. It's like it's yes and, but like the home front, like especially having kids, the mini is our glue. Like all the bags are always packed and nappies and everything. The the kids, the lunches are always done. Like there's all this stuff that happens behind the scenes that sometimes I know that I take for granted. Um, but I just wake up in the morning and it happens, but someone does that, <laughs> like all the washings folded, all that kind of stuff. And so that is super, super important. Not sh- saying it's a woman's role, but that role is super important. Um, something that I've noticed is that when the feminist movement happened, women needed to claim their power and rise and be uh, and, and stand up for themselves and claim everything for their own power. What I've seen on the back end of that is that there had to be career women in front and that front line, that kind of stuff. What I'm seeing now is being a mum isn't enough, that there's so many women that are feeling that they're less than because they're quote-unquote just a mum and they don't have a career, yet it's one of the most crucial roles on this planet. Um, I've really seen that like a, a lot lately. Um, and so, yeah, back to the men's work piece is one of the big things that we within um, – my my circle uh, that we teach and it's not from me it's been passed down from it was from me from justin uh from from jetty azuma and he got taught by justin sterling and then what was the lady's name who wrote the there's a book oh it'll come back to me but it comes from her book um and it's for us men to um in, especially when we're in a long-term committed relationship, is to ensure that we uh, do everything possible to fulfill our partner's dreams and visions, but without sacrificing our own. And I think that's the thing. It's like we can do it simultaneously. And that's where this generation of people pleases these men not chasing their dreams and have this underlying resentment there because they're backing their wife or their partner, yet they're not fulfilling their own dreams. And then, yeah, there's another story about why that all that happens. But, yeah, definitely see that that happening. But uh, I feel that I really deeply feel men's work is going to be bigger than the feminist movement in the next 10 years. It'll be bigger. And the reason I feel it's going to be bigger is because that the big reason that men are claiming back their power is we're doing it for the sake of. So it's not just for ourselves anymore. It's for the sake of our partners and our family and our children. And so much of men's work is to do with legacy and like how and and, and humanity and how we're going to – majority of men's work is always talking about the, the planet we're going to leave, the future generations. Um, so there's a big emphasis on that. 
seems to me that there's an awakening on all levels. And one of the things that has been quite profound and quite a liberating viewpoint, I guess, is the fact that men are being given permission or giving themselves permission to actually be vulnerable, to actually cry, to actually say it's okay to show our emotions. You know, I I got told a story of twin 26-year-old men who one was a bit of a, uh, for want of a better word, a derelict on social welfare, drugs, et cetera, alcohol. The other one was a very successful entrepreneur, businessman, and doing really well financially, both 26-year-old twins. When they were interviewed and asked, the the more derelict um, drug abuser was asked why, and he said, because my father was an alcoholic. When they asked the successful young man why he was in the shape he was in, he said, because my father was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. So what I want to ask you, for men to step into and claim this power, it's not about disassociating from the wrongs or the harshness of our past or things that maybe even mistakes, if that's what we want to call them. It's also honoring the fact that we can step into that and actually claim a choice on how we will use that past to our betterment. How would you describe that? And what have you noticed in the men's movement that men are actually really starting to own that? Yeah, and so there's that line in the sand. I think this is uh, I love. I've heard that story before, and I love it. And I think it um, it correlates to also what I believe is like the initiation process of the line in the sand of when does a boy become a man? And for me, it was 32 years old. I was 32 years old and still felt like a boy in a man's body because. Emotionally unstable, super jealous, about to have a baby, didn't know how I was going to provide for my family, super fucking scared. Like I just didn't feel like a man that had it all together, a man confidently standing on my own two feet. Now, the the through line and that this conversation with these two uh, twins, the line in the sand is that the man that was very successful, he took ownership and responsibility of himself. And he realized that like everything's happening to him, not for him. So everything's happening for him, not to him. Whereas the the uh, the man that was a derelict was like, why was the world, all these situations, and it was like blaming and not taking responsibility uh, of the way he he felt. So that initiation, that line, the stand, I think that's that um, this discussion that's re- like big in my space at the moment is like, when do we come become a man? How do we know? And I think it's when we take ownership and responsibility of our thoughts, speaks, actions, and emotions to do something and lead a life uh, where we're doing it for the sake of um, uh, not just ourselves. I think boy mentality is when we're doing it just for ourselves. Um, and that's pretty much how I lived for the first 32 years of my life. It's all about Blaze. Uh, yet, yeah, when we're doing it for the sake of ourselves. But um, the, the hard pill to swallow, and this was something that a mentor said to me, um, when I was blaming everyone in the world and my situations and insecurities and all that kind of stuff, uh, he reminded me that everything was my fault, everything, the way people were speaking to me, the opportunities that were happening or weren't happening in my life, the um, the relationships I had, the money in my bank, the the travel that I did have and didn't have, like everything was on me. It was all my fault. And that was a really hard pill to swallow because it's so much easier to blame the world rather than having to turn the fingers inward and look at like, oh, man, I'm the center of all this bullshit. But that was the thing that changed everything, that changed the game when I took ownership responsibility. And again, I want to admire you for that. You have mentioned and been open about the fact that you and Melinda, you know, you got together, it was all great, big guns blazing, everything was happening. Mm-hmm. And then there, you had a few roadblocks. <laughs> How did you personally show up to heal, break through, and create a beautiful life together? Well, the first time it happened, um, I showed up um, how I always would, run for the fucking hills. So I ran from the Sunshine Coast down in Brisbane, blew myself out, caught up with all the old mates that I knew that would go straight to the pub. We went to the pub. I relapsed, got on the ice pipe, um, and just buried myself and just ran from all my problems. Um, and then, yeah, it was beautiful that many, um, I, I tried to drive home the next morning, um, big story. I cracked my skull. I was in hospital and, um, the police had, um, come to my mate's house also to Melinda's house. So I'd moved in with her. I tried to drive back home but off my head and her and her mum come pick me up, um, at the BP, uh, at Caboolture, whatever it is. And when I sobered up a couple of days later, the thing was that these two women brought me in closer 
And other than my mum, that was the first humans that really brought me in close when I'd fucked up. And it was like, I'm getting love even though I've, I've, I'm at the pits. This is the world. Just really like, what the fuck? Um, and Minnie was very stern with me and firm. She's like, no, not much you live in here. You got to go sort your shit out. And so, yeah, then it was really interesting. And it's literally why I've called the thing, the, the work that we do, we've called it the Mind Fit Gym, is I remember she kicked me out. I, I, well, no, asked me to leave. I was at my mate's house on the couch. I'm like, where do I go? I'm 32 years old. Like, where do I go to, to sort my shit out? And so I started jumping on Google, YouTube, and what came up was psychiatrist or psychologist. And I'm like, well, I don't want to get medicated, so I'm going to see a psychologist, which was amazing. He was an amazing human being. He was the first man that allowed me to open up and talk, and I felt safe enough to talk, but I only shared about 70% of my stuff because he didn't talk about his journey. So I also felt like, I don't really know about you too much. And here I am disclosing all this information about myself. But that was a beautiful start of me starting um, opening up and through talking was able to, to get to a point that I'm like, cool, I've done enough talking now. I want to sink my teeth into some shit. Like, and like, I was asking, like, hey, bro, in between now and the next two weeks, give me something to do every day. And he's like, oh, I don't really have anything for you, man. And so that's why we've called our stuff the MindFit Gym. It's like it, it, we come, but where do we go to work on our mind? And where do we strengthen that as a man? So we're like, well, you know, if you want big muscles, you go to the gym. Well, we've built a gym that we can do that for the mind. Uh, so that's hence why we've called it because of my struggle back seven years ago of like not being able to know where to turn to, um, to, to work on myself. How come you think Melinda had it in her to be that open, vulnerable, firm, and yet still be so loving her and her mum. Is that normal in your opinion, or is that just a special group of souls? Um, I really love to say it was normal. Um, I feel it's very, very rare um, that that some people can sift through all the bullshit and really see the good in people. Um, there is a lot of people like that. They can see the good in people. And I also know there's a lot of people that are naive with that, that do not have any discernment within themselves and they just trust everyone. And so they're a little bit naive. Uh, but the, the the beautiful thing with Minnie was that she was also firm. She knew very clear who she was as a woman. Um, she'd been doing personal development, I think, for maybe a decade before I'd met her. So she was aware. And then she saw enough of me um, to know that where my heart was like at the mo- at the time I was studying Buddhism, I was going to a temple, I was like really deeply into like spirituality and learning. But a uh, greenhorn, like I was really, really new, hadn't had a mentor, I was trying to do it on my own, sort of that lone wolf that mo- a lot of men get caught up into. But she could see the commitment level that I had, um, and so I think that she she believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And that was a really beautiful thing to have someone uh, believe in me. Uh, it was a, enough of the encouragement to, to yeah, go go looking. And I also got to that point that I also personally wanted to change. I didn't want to be jealous anymore. I didn't want to be insecure anymore. Like I, I was past it. It was consuming my days and my and weeks. Um, so yeah, just got to that point. Like yeah, enough's enough. I again, I cannot acknowledge you enough for this, and why I so wanted to share you, particularly to kind of kick this whole brand new year off, is that you just have such a way. You've it's almost like you've walked the walk, and you are actually now able to talk it. What's some of the key things that you've noticed in the work that you've been doing with some of the men that have come to you that maybe where we where they are where you were seven years ago? How have you helped them traverse that pathway, but with much more strength, courage, and mm. perhaps even more positivity? Yeah, hundred percent. That number one is at its essence just a man knowing his values, like his moral compass. Um, everything comes back to that as where we make our judgments from. It's uh, a lot of men don't know how to how to make decisions, um, and so consciously knowing a man's values, he then he gains so much confidence for sometimes for a very very long time of remembering. Oh, this is who I am because. In those younger years, when we're teenagers, when we're feeling invincible in those young 20s, there's this false sense of who we are because we're invincible. And we, But then 
we, we men sort of get foggy and we forget actually that essence who we are and we get a little bit lost along the way. But all the men in our, our space, like 100% of them, everyone's like, oh, man, just living by my values every single day, it's, it, it's, a, it's this thing, it's an anchor for them to come back to. And then we just build on the top of that and just build off of that. Uh, and the next thing we do is then a vision. So men need to have something to aspire to. Otherwise, we're just feeling like we're mediocre. It's this Groundhog Day. It's the same sort of thing. And when a man's got his values locked and loaded, his vision locked and loaded, he's got his compass, he's got a map, and he can just walk that path. Um, and then as we walk that path, then there's all the shit that's in the way as well, which is relationships and finances and our health and all that kind of stuff. But that is essence of those two. And then it's a really beautiful frameworks that we use. Um, we um, A lot of uh, uh, Carl Jung's um, work that we teach around the archetypes and just these beautiful frameworks where we've learned is that it's like Buddhism as well, that men, you can teach them, but it's not going to land until they have a direct experience. So we, we're not saying this is how you, to be a man, we're saying, hey, this is an energy called a king energy. This is what it looks like. When you go and step into these practices and do this kind of stuff, then you have to have this feeling of it. And so like they have to have a direct experience. So that's why I really, I love, I love Buddhism. Uh, I love Jung's work. A lot of the work that we do, it's, it's showing men how to find out who the, for themselves who they are, um, and because we everyone's different, we're all snowflakes, and I think that's uh, that diversity is one of the things that got missed in um, uh, masculinity. Was trying to have men be in this like that. It's like yes, and there's so much diversity to all of us as well. Oh, it's so um, powerful, so so yeah. powerful. On that note, then, brand new year. Do you do a lot of reflection work on where you've been, focus on where you are, and then visualize where you want to be personally? What do you do for you at the beginning of a brand new year? Yep. We actually have an event on the 20th. It's called The Vision. <laughs> and so what we do um, is we, and this is something that a lot of people forget. They say, oh, new year, I'm just going to set my vision. I was like, what about like, going back and sifting for all the gold first? Especially for men, we forget to celebrate ourselves so much and so one of the very first things we do is we reflect on 2023 and this is something i'll get all the men to do and i do this personally as well minnie and i do this she's running workshop for it as well but reflecting like what went well what and and be in that energy of like accomplishment and achievement and what work and sift for all of that so it's a, a high vibrational feeling and then that space and that vibration then look into 2024 Though for me personally, I also look further than that. And so I'm always looking 10 years ahead. And so, and, and connecting that one year vision back to a 10 year vision that I have. Um, and so a lot of the men in our space, we do that as well. So we'll have a 10 year vision and, we'll, and at the start of the year, we'll be revisiting our one thing for the year and ensuring that it's still on path because as we grow and rise in consciousness, in awareness, in the confidence, sometimes the bar's not big enough for us men. So we've got to raise that bar a little bit. Otherwise, we'll just, um, for me, I know if my bar's not high enough, I won't chase it. It's like, eh, I don't want to do it. It does It's not interesting. It's got to be almost unattainable for to get me out of bed. Um, so, yeah, that's what I do. Um, and then a big thing that I've learned too is to not have goals have, and for as men have commitments um, because then it's in, uh, like a, it's more integral. It's not as fluffy. It's very more masculine. Uh, and one of the secret sources and my secret weapon is having a high level of accountability. Um, so, yeah, having your men's team beside me. Declaring my declaring my visions and my commitments openly to people and be very vigilant who I declare them to, that are people that are going to hold me accountable to it. Because there's a lot of naysayers and there's some people that will try and drag me down. So I'm very vigilant um, who I um, share stuff with. Like I shared something with you offline before that I'm really fucking pumped for for 2024 because I know that you get it and mm -hmm. that you would be a cheer squad and you'd be generally happy if, if and when I pull that off. Um, so that's the very, very vigilant who I share that kind of stuff with. Well, they say you are the product of the people you spend, you know, the five top people you spend your time with. And I think what you're saying is it's really important who we choose and do that with a real sense of vigilance, but also, I guess, integrity and authenticity. That's mm -hmm. where I feel for a lot of men and women, to be honest, Blaze, that they don't have that beautiful tribe or those people around them. And they're just, they're kind of 
stumbling their way through life. Totally understand it if they haven't had those role models. But for Mm. many, they get to the middle age and many will call it a midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. I imagine you'd call it a midlife awakening or an opportunity Mm -hmm. where we can actually dig deep. And sometimes we have to hit rock bottom to put both feet on the ground to push ourselves up. Could you explain to us perhaps a rock bottom moment for you and how the Mm. hell did you crawl out of it? I remember as a rock bottom moment, I was driving driving home. I was in construction. So I was in construction for 12 years. And I was a foreman. I became a boss at, at 24. And I was on one of the biggest projects I ever had. So I was down in Brisbane. There was like 400 men on this job site. And I was the, one of the site foremen. So leading all of these men. Two and a half hours one way to drive to work. 12-hour day and 12 and a half hours, uh, two and a half hours on the way back. It's like 14, 16-hour days. Got to this breaking point. And I just remember, uh, and at the same time, super jealous, super insecure, seeing my wife, which, who was my partner then, working for herself. Um, she would be uh, at lunchtime kayaking on, and just at the beach and just on her, doing life on her terms. And I remember coming through the tunnel at Brisbane and just punching the steering wheel and just screaming in my ute and my high visie like, fuck, there's got to be more to the life than this. I was just so exhausted. I was mentally fried. Um, I was drinking heavy and it was just like, and I just remember screaming to the heavens like, fuck, there's got to be more to life than this. Like it, 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 I literally felt like an Egyptian slave. That's what I felt like, that I was capped and I had a ceiling. Um, and then, yeah, that was the, the, that was the bottom of the barrel moment of like, I could see I was about to like relapse really big, like again. And so this, I still started studying the psychologist, but I hit this point. It's like, fuck, something's got to change. And if it doesn't, I'm just going to go off the rails. I could feel this, this like breakdown about to happen. Um, and so the way I got out of that was um, that's why I put a pen to paper and I just started asking. And it was really interesting. So there's a process called Ikigai, which I am only just familiar with the past 18 months. But I actually what took myself through that process. And I just started journaling of like, what am I really good at? What are my superpowers? Um, what, um, uh, what, 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 how can I make money? What's some things that I could do? What do I love in my life? What's my ideal day look like? And because up until then, I didn't actually have a vision. I just thought this was, I was, just I had to come to this was my life. 16 hour days grinding, that tired that I don't even have a weekend because I'm sleeping most of the Saturday. I'm half working half day Saturday, sleeping a Sunday, back into the grind. So I just started looking into like, okay, what does my life look like? And what do I really want in my life? And at that time I wasn't a father. So that was a big thing. I thought I want to be a dad. And I was so fortunate that in construction, and especially when I started early in construction, I had these two foremen that were in their 70s. And um, the late 60s, 70, and both of them said to me, bro, this is just a job. I've got a daughter who's turning 21. I don't even know her. Just make sure you don't do what I do and bury yourself into work because you'll have kids and you will never know them. He goes, I'm an alcoholic. I know that. Um, I'm a deadbeat dad and you don't have to be the same. I had two men tell me that at such a young age. I'm so blessed that they told me that. Um, and then, yeah, so I had all that information on a bit of paper. And, um, yeah, they I just went to the company that I was working for and was like, hey, I'm out. Um, I, I can't do this anymore. And they're like, well, we've got a school. We've, um, there's a school in, in the Sunshine Coast. Ten minutes from your house, we'll give you that job. And so it was really cool. Had a job that was ten minutes from home, that big drive was out of there. But the same pressure, the same stress, the same bullshit was there. So I ended up quitting and walked. And I remember – I remember walking in the mini and um, I'm like, hey, babe, I, I know that I've been talking about this, but I'm out. I've left. And she's like, what the fuck? I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I can't I, I can't do it anymore. What are we going to do? I'm not, I'm not sure. I'll fucking figure it out. I'll figure it out. And, um, yeah, that's when we actually um, built a tourism business together. And that was the thing that got me out of construction. And also tried to start a coaching business, which failed miserably. Um, and then wifey, she backed me for like I've used all of my savings and all the redundancy and everything. And she paid our rent and mortgage for, I think it was about two months while I was trying to figure it out and make money. And it just got to a point like, uh, it's not working. Didn't know business. So I had to put my child between my legs and I had three part-time jobs. But I was the happiest I've ever been in my life because it was on my terms. I wasn't working for the man. It was on my terms. I was towing caravans from the Sunshine Coast to the Gold Coast. Oh, and this was the big one that took, it was really, took me a little while. And this is when I started getting mentored and having coaching. So I went from a boss 
on a, I think it's a $120 million project to back on the screen as a concreter on $350 a day. And man, it was just felt like I'd failed. I jumped, what I wanted, I was on good money and all the company cars, all that kind of stuff. And here I am trying to be a coach and failed. Um, and then my mentor said to me, he's like, what the thing that we uncovered was that I was comparing myself to people that were coaches and they were 10 years in the game. So I was just trying to get there really, really fast. And he's like, man, you got to go through the chances. And why can't you do both? Why can't you be a tradie and do coaching? I'm like, oh man, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I literally hadn't even had didn't even cross my mind. And that's when all my stuff started taking off because I'd be in my high busy. And I started shooting content on site. And it was just relatable. And people were like, oh yeah, this, like, this dude, we can see that he's a tradie. He's helping people and he won't be a tradie for long. Um, because it's authentic. And then I had a job um because we had that tourism business, I worked um, a day a week in the Calandra Tourism just to put myself to in a position of like, okay, I don't know tourism. I need to learn that. Towing the caravans. I'm six hours in the car. I'm just going to listen to podcasts about business and how do I do that? And then the, the the concrete was easy money. So it was like, but it was on my terms because I knew that it was a stepping stone. And so back the, the, the bookend all of this is how I got out of that rut is I, I was able to have a vision and see that, okay, this is where I want to go. And the very first step was I don't know how to fucking get there, and that's when I hired a coach. And it's like I need help. This is where I want to go. How do I do it? And then, um, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, and so powerful because if we break an arm, we get someone to help us with that. If we want to be a world record holder, we get a coach. So mm-hmm. why would we not participate in this? I I cannot um, rave about you enough, as I'm sure everybody can tell. One of the other things that you've been incredible at is when you guys made the decision that you would actually get married because in this day and age, we don't have to get married to stay together. Mm. We don't have to get married to have children or a business or a home together. What was that decision like? Mm. And how would you describe the the beautiful act of love when it comes to creating a ritual around your marriage? Yeah, yeah I could feel all that boldness right here. It's just really beautiful. Um, it is really beautiful because we've done life our way. Um, so we consciously chose to have our babies before we um, got married and um, we consciously chose to have, go into business together and we'd only been like dating a year. So we did everything on our terms. And then it got to that point of like, okay, like marriage is like, it's there. It's like it, need to, it needs to happen. Like it was, it was right. It was really interesting because there was a milestone that I needed to get through because I had four relationships previous to many where I got to the two year mark and then I bounced. And so it was like when I got to that two-year mark, the woman started to need that provider and protector, rely on me, all my shit would come up, didn't know how to deal with it, I'm out. So four relationships hit that two-year mark. So at the two-year mark, all my shit started to come up with wifey. And um, so, yeah, went and saw Vicky, Vicky Speller, my, uh, spirit, my spiritual mentors. And um, what we uncovered is that I'd created a belief because I saw my mum go through um, and dad leaving that I created a belief that I was not going to get married until I knew that I was going to stay with that woman forever. So all these women, they didn't even have a look in because I can't see the future. So I was just like, cool. And so we broke through that limits in belief and it was about three months later I proposed to men. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, did the proposal, which was really, really beautiful. It was amazing. Um, it was, I love to share that little moment. So, I trust in my intuition. I trust in the universe. So we went down to one of the spots at um, Cardi's where we'd met. And I knew there would be a young Instagram girl walk past and be able to videotape it for me. So here I am. I've got the, I took some seafood, set it all up. On the way there, Minnie's crying. I'm like, what's the matter? And oh no, on the way there, she's like, do you know that you've, you've got to ask my dad if you propose, hey, you've got to ask for my hand in marriage. I'm like, why would I do that? Fuck gas. I'm like, I'm like, she knows, like, what's good? And I'd already, I'd already asked Gaz, and like, he's, I, if he's told her, like, and then we sit down and set everything up. Then she just starts crying, and she's like, "This is the most beautiful thing of my life. These sculpts are amazing." And so she, she tuned in energetically, but didn't know, no. And so here I am, just waiting. Where's this Instagram girl to come past and just be good with the phone? Wait, it's just all dudes, all dudes, and an old man. And then this finally, these two young girls walk past, and I'm like, and it was beautiful because we always get people to take photos of us. 
So I walked over to these girls and like, don't make a scene. I'm about to propose. Can you pretend you're taking a photo, but have this on video? So I got the proposal on video, which is really cool. Um, and then COVID and everything happened. And so we ended up um, putting our wedding off for a couple of years. And it was really interesting that then the for me personally as a man, uh, we got married in November and it was February. And I'll, it was we re, we started planning planning the wedding, locking in the the venue, all that kind of stuff, talking to you, and it started getting really real for me. And then all of this underlying undercurrent from you came up about just wanting to bounce and like I'm, I'm really big about man of my word and that kind of stuff. So I ended up going to go I got a couple of days psychotherapy um, session. Um, so worked through some of that stuff, and then I came back, and then so for me. The marriage where you married me was like it was. I describe it as like when the UFC. So there's a weigh-in that no one sees, and then the weigh-in that you see on TV, they've already done it. It's just for show, and that's what my wedding was for me, because I sat down with a journal and pen and in front of God, declared my soul to Melinda in His or its essence. Um, because for me, it was that it, it was it was just my commitment to myself that marriage. Um, and that was a big thing because I'd never done that before. And, um, yeah, it was a really powerful moment. So from that moment, it's like, cool, I'm in. And so, yeah, there was a beautiful journey from then February all the way through to November and the stuff that happened along the way and the people didn't come to my wedding, our wedding and all of the stuff that was there. So that was like really beautiful. But then to be able to design the wedding and just everything that happened at the wedding too, which is really perfect. And, um, just to how, yeah, it was, we, it was really beautiful, everything you're talking about, because we honoured the masculine, honoured the feminine, and had the, all my men that were there the supporting me. And then at that same time, my kids, my boys just broke down. And so my men are holding space for me as I'm looking after my kids. And all of our family got to witness that, which they hadn't, a lot of them hadn't seen. And then all of that chaos happened. So Minnie could walk through. She was beautiful, didn't know what was going on. It was just magic. So it was really beautiful. And it was, it was really lovely that we got to do it on our terms. And, um, and just have some really beautiful people in our life. And it was uh, one thing I'd love to um, uh, mention to, to your listeners is the way that we invited people to our wedding, it wasn't from our past. Everyone that we invited to our wedding is because we see them in our future. Um, and that, I'd make that up to someone else. I can't remember who told me that, but I thought that was a really beautiful way to uh, to mark the people that come to our wedding, something like, fuck, do we invite these people and that people? And, oh, man, so it was a bit of a headache, but that's how we invited everyone. I and, love it. Thank you for letting me relive that. Oh, it was so cool. And we even had a fighter jet go over us at oh. one point, remember? <laughs> it, so just, uh, um, just as you would put the rings on and just as we said, I do, these two fighters, because we got married on the 11th, 11th at the spit, and these fighter jets came past. It was so loud. And, but it was like the perfect timing. And then, yeah, and then they came back around and they did their second lap. And it was just all the kids are crying. It was so loud. It was just like... It was insane. It was and so everyone good. was saying, "Did we plan that?" We're like, going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Gaza. Don't know how much that cost, mate, but thank you. <laughs> it was so beautiful and such an honourable way to bring two beautiful people together in the union, the sacred ritual of marriage. Something that I believe us white people, uh, perhaps culturally, traditionally don't have a lot of beautiful symbolic moments in our lives or thresholds or pathways to cross. Mm. And I just see marriage. I love love, as you know. And I love what you just said then before, though. It was a commitment to me. That really is an act of self-love. That really truly is. The ultimate act is a commitment to oneself. Mm. What is your definition of self-love? It's, it's interesting because I thought, especially when before I started men's work, I thought self-love was just something that women did. <laughs> um, and then when I started hearing these things about self-love, I think it's oh, yeah, massages and the, um, all the, that kind of stuff. But for me, self-love is um, really like knowing my boundaries and, like, and being firm with that. Um, uh, loving myself enough, like self-love, like taking the time out to nourish my mind, body, and soul. Um, so for me, like taking time to go into solitude and sit in nature or go for a surf and sit by a fire without the responsibility of being a provider or a husband. Um, uh, for me, self-love is – I think it's like the, the word that's really ringing true for me right now is just honouring me as as the individual, um, uh, honouring and like respect. And I think that's um, – yeah. Um, 
Uh, the other part of self-love that I would love to, that for me is loving the parts of me that um, I don't love, the dark stuff, the accepting that kind of stuff. Um, and that's been where people, a lot of men ask me, it's like, man, what's the, what's the, how did you start? And like the, the, what's been the biggest thing? And for me, it was like loving myself, dude. That it all started with that. I had to love myself because I didn't love myself. I looked in the mirror and I, I just didn't like the man that I saw. I wasn't proud of who I was. I had to figure that out. Like, how do I love myself? And it all started with gratitude. So gratitude was that very first stepping stone because I believe gratitude is the language of love. Um, but, yeah, that's that's my little take on um, on self-love, just honoring myself. Um, yes, looking after my – like doing the massages, that kind of stuff, but it's, that's a little bit superficial. But it's more looking after my emotions, looking after my mental state. Um, and, yeah, like being able to say, hey, I don't want to go to that place and respect – I have enough self-love that because of the people that are there or the situations there, I just – that's not for me sort of thing. So knowing who I am and being firm with that. Love this. As we head into a new year, gorgeous Blaze, there could be people listening to this over the holiday break and, you know, a little bit lost, maybe their partner, their son, their uncle, their father, their brother, you know, they're going through a challenging time, don't really know where to go. As I just mentioned, culturally, many cultures have beautiful men's um, initiations or processes that they go through. We know for women, they can get a period. There seems to be a very physical um, stepping stone from girl to womanhood almost. Mm-hmm. In your humble opinion, then, if someone listening to this sitting there going, I want to cross that fire. I want to I want to be the man. I want to be a better version of me. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us what you have on offer for 2024 and how they can approach you? Yeah, it's the easiest way to approach me. Um, there's a couple of ways. My website, which is my name, but then I just um, hit me on Messenger. Uh, I'll reply to everyone. So just, and I'm very lucky because my name, I'm the only one that has my name in the world because the way mum spelt Blaze, it's B L A S E. So yeah, you can find me on social media and just send me a message um, and we can chat that way. But what we have coming up, uh, 20th of January, we have a blokes venture overnighter. Uh, so it's a 24-hour event, and it, it, it's it's called The Vision. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to map out the path of 2024, um, get really clear on your direction for 2024, but also really clear on who you are as a man as well. Um, and so that's the the, the, the one day. Uh, March 22nd to 24th is our three-day retreat. And so that's a, th- a modern-day man's right to passage. Uh, so there is a lot of culture with that. So we teach Aboriginal culture, Maori culture, Native American culture, uh, for everything that you were talking about is we feel so lost when men have lost that sense of culture. So we give uh, a t- men a taste of that. Uh, we go through 32 processes over those three days. Uh, your family is part of that process as well, part of a, a rite of passage. The third stage is a celebration back into the community. So on day three, your whanau, your family, get to come out to the property, mums, dads, kids, uncles, aunties, uh, partners, to celebrate that transition. And so it's, it's a modern-day man's rite of passage. And so the rite of passage was like you're saying, these these moments in in a man or a young boy's life of stepping through a threshold of like boyhood to manhood. And so as this podcast, we've talked about like what it means to be a man. This generation has been very stifled. So we've come up with some things and these qualities that we feel that men are needed and required to navigate this life and lead life on purpose and on their terms. So yeah, we go through that portal. And then I've also got haven't it, it's all confirmed and so it's going to be february 10th on a saturday because something very very special as well it's a um it's going to be called ignite the warrior um it's going to be a face-to-face event here on the sunshine coast and i'm going to release more details with that um after after new year's but yeah it's a a, a collaboration between myself and um some really a really cool company here on the sunny coast and it's, it's going to give a big um it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool because it's like men's work plus martial arts and it's gonna be super special. So um yeah, we've got every every month we've got something on for the first three months. Um but then in between now and then too, we also have our our, our online membership, which is um yeah, the MindFit Gym, which we've spoken about, and that's on offer any day. So uh, we have intakes that come in, so you can just reach out if you want to know more about that. Uh, but yeah, that <clears throat> online space is really beautiful because it, it brings that consistency and accountability, like daily accountability on top of all these cathartic things that we offer face-to-face. I just think it's so beautiful and such a, uh, I guess, 
incredible is the word that keeps coming up for me. Incredible that we have these opportunities now for not only our sons and our brothers, but also it doesn't seem to matter or mind what age we choose to cross that threshold. Uh, There's always a beautiful way to upskill, up-level, up-charge ourselves and to continually evolve and become a better version of ourselves each and every day. And I do believe that the more our men step up, the more us women step up, the more us women step up, the more our men step up, that it is a beautiful collaborative process. Mm. And I think the rising of both the masculine and the feminine is what's really going to make the future of this planet and for generations to come feel safe and Mm. feel like they can express themselves in the most powerful, beautiful way. Uh, You and I could talk forever. You know that we have a a long, beautiful connection and relationship. And I look forward to sharing more of you and your beautiful wife. Um, As a final message to the Self-Love Podcast listener, Mm -hmm. um, there's someone who really does love to hear, for want of a better word, the hero's journey, the the way we go out on adventures, we find and slay dragons or we learn lessons and find mentors and then come back a bigger, better version just to go out on another journey. Mm -hmm. How would you summarize what it is that you offer? And perhaps you could include a favorite quote Mm. that you would love to share with the Self-Love Podcast listener. Yeah, so what it is that we offer, um, I can sum it up in one word, in one sentence, is that we lead men out of their head and into their heart. And so that's what it is that we do uh, through all of our offerings. And so that's what we do. That's our mission. And a quote, and it just keeps ringing true and I get asked this regularly. I I can't find a better one as of yet. And this quote deeply rings true for me is that courage isn't the absence of fear. Um, And what that means is that um, I remember so many times in my life that I was crippled with fear and I was scared. And because of that, I wouldn't take action. And I didn't realize that, a bit emotional right now, is that so many times in my life that I didn't realize that I could be scared and have fear, but I could still take action and be courageous simultaneously. Like it was okay to to feel that emotion as a man. It was like I could find that inner thing just to just I can do it, but also be scared shitless and so fearful. And it was that quote that like was the thing that allowed me to step into men's work and continually step into like marriage and fatherhood. It's like it's okay to be scared, dude. Like it's okay to have fear, but just remember there's a beast in there that is courageous as well, and you can live that simultaneously. Um, and if you can't find that courage right now, find some people that can show you that courage because we're all mirrors of each other. Um, so, yeah, it's a, I love that quote so much. So powerful. And I just want to thank you for being the man that you are and for leading by example, also showing the constraints, the weakness, the vulnerability, the fear. All of it is part of what makes you such a magnificent human. And it is such an honor and a treat for me to share you with this beautiful listener. And I want to thank you for being the soul that we lead ourselves into 2024 with. I couldn't think of a better person, a better human, and a better man. Thank you, gorgeous Blaze. Thank you so much, Kim. I deeply love you. You know how much I love you. And thank you so much for bringing me on your podcast. I can't wait to have you on my one. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.